It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we are off of our first NFL weekend of the year, in addition to week two of college football. Who cares about the NFL, man? <laughs> well, see, this is the this is the beautiful part about Camp Dynasty, right? And this is our first moment to like appreciate that Camp Dynasty is like the bridge between college football and the NFL. We live in the middle ground of it all, don't we? Because we're going to be talking about these guys, and then they're going to grow up and go to the NFL, and maybe you know next year. We'll bring them back up. Say, how's uh, you know, how's my boy Jackson doing on the Jaguars? <laughs> It'd be nice to see Jackson on the Jaguars, given the putrid performance that <laughs> that most of those receivers had on Sunday. But yeah, I mean, this is what puts the, the dynasty in Camp Dynasty is tracking these guys through to the NFL. Obviously, we call all the NFL players, uh, you know, previous campers, former campers, but. I mean, we don't really have any campers yet in the NFL until after this season. Then we get to see those guys actually in the league that we have been talking about for a full year. And that that's really what I'm looking forward to. Um, but, yeah, actually super excited that the NFL is back. I'm just a little salty about, uh, you know, the Packer game. That, that one hurt a little bit. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, guys that feel to me like – previous campers they're not officially campers but guys you know recent prospects guys we've scouted uh justin jefferson <laughs> we'd be talking about him a little bit if he was a oh, if we've been running this show for a couple of years and we'd be like all grown up justin jefferson became the best wide receiver in the nfl and man i i gotta i gotta say that it was tough to watch for obviously as a, a packers fan but uh it is very objectively fun in a sick way even if you're a fan to watch a grown man just enact his will against other grown men and that's i mean that is the beauty of this process is finding these alpha dominators like justin jefferson i just i have some quick beef with the packers defense real quick because like I, I understand what you're saying and they enact their will and like dominate the team, but it, half the time they didn't even bother to cover them because they, they're playing this cover three match zone to prevent the over the top, you know, deep ball. But they are asking a rookie linebacker in Quay Walker to cover Justin Jefferson in a match zone, and that's just not going to fly. And so I, Justin Jefferson, I think had like 187 yards at halftime. That I don't know if that comes from you like winning matchups versus the new scheme that uh, the Vikings are running, and that can change completely how a player is utilized, and it just just brings out this beautiful. Uh, evolution of a player and you, you saw with Cooper Cup he ran that same role and he is again this year dominating and Justin Jefferson is now in that role motioning all over the field lining up out wide in the slot and eating the Packers defense alive week one 
Well, that's the beautiful thing, right? It's about talent, but it's also about coaching and scheme. I mean, at the end of the day, these campers that we talk about every single week, when they get to the NFL, we see this every year where you can say, okay, I like this guy, but he needs to be used like this. And if you try to use him in a different way, it may not go as well for him. And that is a valid thing. That's not saying that anybody is a inferior prospect. It's just play to your guy's strengths. And we've seen, you know, guys like Justin Jefferson, who, you know, still a first round NFL draft pick, but a later round, a later first round dynasty pick. He becomes the best wide receiver in the league because he's used effectively and he also has premier talent. Yeah, I mean, so it it's that's <laughs> it's a little tangent from us to start, yeah. but uh, it's okay. Poignant, I would say, yeah. uh, based on the guys we're talking about today and trying to predict who's going to be that next guy. Of course, and it's it's NFL kickoff. I mean, I'd love to sit here and talk about how good Jahan Dotson is, how good Drake London is, how good all these guys are, but. We'll save the all grown up for when our guys, our our actual campers here are all grown up in the NFL. And we've got a laundry list of names once again coming off of week two to talk about today. You know the drill. We're going through it. Camper of the week, presenting the badges, IDPs, and we're making the call home. So um, let's jump right into it, Colin. Let's do it. Camper of the week for what did you start last time? I don't remember. Okay. Well, I'll start. Yeah. How about, how about my camper of the week here? Cedric Tillman, wide receiver from the Tennessee Volunteers. So this is a guy whose name I've been kind of waiting to bring up, I guess. I, I've had the name on my radar a bit through the, you know, the preseason scouting and getting into the season here, but uh, this was the week where I'm going to bring him out because not only did he have an exceptional week, so let's, I mean, let's just run through that quick. Week two here, nine catches on 17 targets. (laughs) So not the most efficient game, but they were looking, Hendon Hooker was looking his way very often, and he ended up with 162 yards and he also caught the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Um, he was also half yard short of another touchdown. He was a deep shot running down the sideline. He got tackled at the half yard line. So almost two touchdowns, and he had a, a, a crazy stat line. So uh, Tillman is a redshirt senior. Now this brings up the question marks of late breakout and all of this because he was – he was not productive at all until his redshirt junior season. I mean, literally n- almost nothing until that point. And then he breaks out uh, 1,081 yards receiving and 12 touchdowns last year. So he, he goes from a non-factor to he's entering 2022 on the Blitnikoff watch list. And now we're seeing it already here. Game number two a big uh, kind of a shootout-style game with Pittsburgh, a good team there, um, and he has a he has a crazy a crazy game. Seals the game in overtime with a touchdown. So I wanted to bring him up here, but I also then went back and watched the film, the rest of the film. And I'm telling you right now, Colin, Cedric Tillman, I didn't realize it till now, he's, he's my type. 
He's my type, and I like this player a lot. Yeah, he is your your type, definitely. I, I watched him. I mean, 6'3", 215, big guy. He has great hands. He He's a hands catcher. Kind of like if you looked up hands catcher in the dictionary, you would probably see a little video clip of Cedric Tillman going and plucking a ball out of the air. Uh, he, in this game, had a 40% target share. Which is just nuts. It's uh, I mean, seventeen targets. That's gonna happen, but that is crazy. Uh, give it the the late breakout is interesting because I mean, you know, those analytics folks they uh, are you know keep an eye on early breakout and all that, and it it's important. It is. I mean, it's an indicator. Uh, it, it's one of the many indicators of what a good player is. But Tillman, I mean. It, it all comes down to circumstance and, you know, what's going on with the actual player and the actual team. So it, it's all – there's so much more nuance in it than, like, oh, how old was he when he was good? And so, I mean, if he puts together two incredible seasons back-to-back, I don't see why he can't go into the NFL and be a, a good player. I, I mean – a player like this that is big and can go up and get it can be valuable as long as they understand how to operate in the game. And maybe it just took him a while to figure out all the little things to make himself an elite player in college rather than just a, you know, deep threat, uh, jump ball guy. Yeah. I mean, because this is the first time the name gets brought up here, it turns into a little bit of a, you know, what is he? I mean, he's camper of the week because of what he did this week. But like I said, I also jumped in because after watching the, the plays that he had in this game, I was sitting there like, man, this guy's big. He's physical. He's catching the ball down the field. He's separating down the field. Like, who is this guy? Then I went back and watched some 2021 film, man, and he he is. He is that guy. I mean, we talk about it. It's, it's becoming a talking point of the class almost to the point where now I'm starting to question, you know, maybe there are some big guys in this class with some real talent and a couple more of those coming up later in this episode even. So it's, you know, he, he does, he has all the, the tools that you just said. He's a, you know, great at the catch point. There was one catch last year. <laughs> Man, I, th- that was the moment. There was one. I can't remember what game it was. It's corner of the end zone, jumps over some guy, makes a crazy, you know, b- b- uh, body control catch, and it was out of bounds. It didn't count, but I I saw that play and I was like, yeah, all right, I'm gonna be watching this guy for the rest of the year because I I really really liked what I saw out of uh, out of his 21 tape. So. Obviously, long season ahead, the the evaluation portion of this process is going to, you know, take some time. But, man, he, he really put himself on my radar this week. Like, he is – I'm, I'm like, already analyzing my wide receiver rankings just with the, the two weeks that we have here. Yeah, I, I've definitely been shuffling them around in my head, all my rankings. And so, uh, I mean, Tillman, Tillman kind of reminds me of – uh, former volunteer and Josh Palmer, where Ooh. it's like this guy can go win downfield and has great hands and has this big body and has incredible body control. It, it's a he's a similar kind of player. If I were to give a comp, uh, but yeah, this 
there's there's so many guys, man. It's I, I like that we get to highlight some different ones every week with this uh you know, camp of the week and badge segments. Me too. And how about we how about we jump into another wide receiver here? We got a camper of the week on your end. We do. Uh this one is not a new name. Um it's just a oh, little victory lap, I guess, for my camper of the week. Jordan Addison, uh the USC wide receiver. He had uh eight or seven catches on eight targets for 172 yards and two touchdowns. No big deal against Stanford. Uh he so the the reason I picked Addison, like obviously he has a big game, but this is kind of what I expected with this USC offense is him to be the the number one target. But he, he showed it in a lot of different ways in this game where when he was with Pitt it was a lot of either downfield or it was shorter routes and then you know you kinda go down with that. But he had a lot of different routes run in this game he he caught a screen took it to the to the house from about 35 40 yards out he had a nice post route where he just beat the corner for a touchdown and he he just did it all kinds of ways and it, it was just a really impressive performance for uh one of my top receivers in this class so <laughs> not top yeah. five well let me let me just speak on this publicly because like I just mentioned just kind of messing around with my rankings in my head mentally this week and trying not to overreact to things but I did say in the wide receivers ranking episode that Addison could easily play his way up my rankings and I'm just going to I'm going to come out publicly publicly here uh, in front of the world and tell everybody that I am rescinding my preseason evaluation of Addison and I am I am I am gonna move forward with this new information that we have after two weeks because man uh, wasn't happy with with how I uh, broke him down and one of the things I, I mentioned which typically I wouldn't mention at all which is why I don't like that I did but uh, called him out for the drops. Well, how about 13 uh, targets, 12 catches this season? How about that? Uh, another criticism that I had of him, which I didn't talk about on the wide receiver rankings, was uh, his, his route tree. Obviously a, a good route runner, a, a great separator, but wasn't seeing a ton of variety in his trees. A lot of winning down the field with speed. I'm already uh, this this USC offense is is so fun. I first of all, Caleb Williams, hello, hello, 2024. <laughs> Let's, Holy uh, shit! This quarterback's gonna be fun next year, but uh, yeah, Jordan Addison, man, I, I got to tell you, I, I think I was wrong, and I'm, I'm maybe that's an overreaction two weeks in, but I I am moving forward with a renewed sense of Addison being one of my top guys. I see this. This is the thing about having an opinion is that like your opinion can change and uh it's 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 fluid you know you get in new information you're allowed to change your mind you know you, you think one thing you see one thing you do the the work and you put it out there and you feel a certain way and then addison goes out and does something to change your mind that's fine 
I, I'm not mad at you. I was just I was mad that you had certain guys over Addison more than your take on Addison itself. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think that is a, a portion of, of scouting in general that sort of gets lost because there's this whole idea that we all have to, you know, stick to our guns and we don't want to succumb to groupthink and all of these things that get put out. But, I mean, that is why these things, I mean, and it's, you know, greater than football, but uh, opinions like people want to just hold on to it so, so firmly that they're willing to fight when maybe they don't even believe what they said in the first place. And and like I said, at that point, uh, Addison was not a player that I didn't like. I, I liked him. I just wanted to see a little bit more. And so far I've seen it. And so far he is right on pace to be potentially winning another Blitnikoff award. So I mean, he's a special guy. He's a special guy. I'm not going to sit here and worry about the size either. Never been a size guy. So, you know, I love Devontae Smith, and we talked about it even back then. But, yeah, I, I, think, he's got, I think he's got it all, and I think he's going to have a crazy year with, uh, with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. So, yeah, I just want to talk about uh, just uh, contextualize things real quick with a few numbers, uh, one specifically. Uh that I, I really like is yards per route run. I've mentioned it of, uh, on a few episodes, but it, it really puts into perspective how efficient you are when you're running routes, how often you're getting targeted, how many yards you're getting per route, basically. And that's not just routes you're getting catches. That's every route you run. So Jordan Addison in this game had a nuts game. It was 6.88 yards per route run. And I'll, I'll contextualize everything. I know it's like, oh, what does that even mean? So, uh, in 2021, uh, the leaders in the NCAA for yards per route run, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jacob Cowing, hey, shout out to that guy. Hey, there Talked he is. Talked about him last week. Traylon Burks, Wandale Robinson, and Drake London. So, those are four, well, three NFL players and then Jackson Smith and Jigbo, who's projected to be a top 15 pick to be safe. And then Jacob Cowing, who we don't know for sure yet, but will probably be in playing on Sundays. Uh, they are the top five last year in yards per route run. Uh, they were uh, – Drake London was the lowest at 3.52, and then they are all above that. Uh, capping out at Jackson Smith and Jigbo right around four. Addison is at 5.14 and a small sample size so far. And with this massive game, obviously that skews that, but Addison is an elite player with elite talent who's putting together elite numbers. And so I'm, I'm really excited to just continue watching him and Caleb Williams be great with this USC offense because they seem to have a connection and it is fun to watch. Man, it's a tough one when you're 20 minutes in and you're already swallowing your pride and publicly <laughs> apologizing for your, <laughs> for your opinions. But that's where we are here, man. Because I, man, I was watching uh, watching some of this game and just seeing the numbers piling up, and I'm just sitting there like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to do this on Monday, aren't I? But it's okay because I love good football players, and he's one of them. So I have no problem saying that. Um, all right. Well, how about we move into the, the badges then we got campers of the week. They're riding high right now, but, 
Uh, I'll kick things off with uh, the Redemption badge. This one's going to Wake Forest wide receiver A.T. Perry. You may remember the name. Briefly mentioned him as a sort of honorable mention almost in our wide receivers rankings in the preseason. Uh, Almost gave A.T. a call home last week (laughs) because it wasn't great in week one. And honestly, even uh, when I was watching the game, they're playing uh, Virginia military institute or something like it sounds like a made-up school um (laughs) but uh yeah he had 47 yards three catches um but he didn't he didn't look that great and uh, at one point the commentator even was just like that's just a low effort play this is a you know this is a leader on this team he had 1300 yards last year where's the effort on that uh, and so I'm sitting there like, man, like, damn, like, come on, man. Like you're, you're supposed to be playing for your draft position this year. Well, he got the memo and he also got a Sam Hartman back because Sam <laughs> Hartman returned to the demon Deacons this week. And AT Perry responded with five catches on 10 targets for 142 yards and a touchdown, including a 68 yard bomb. Uh, which was the score. So it's a six, five player and he's showing what he did last year. He's winning down the field and uh, yeah. So redeemed for now, AT Perry, maybe that's uh, more to do with Sam Hartman, but uh, loved seeing that this week. Yeah. AT Perry could have had two touchdowns in this game. He was uh, wide open on their uh, fourth touchdown of the game. Uh, and yeah, Hartman threw it into, threw it to a covered guy who scored the touchdown. So that's all well and good, but AT Perry's stat line could have looked a little like even better at the end of the day. But yeah, Perry had a a fantastic day. This is a big body. And I, I like that he, I, I kind of mentioned it with Tillman before, but the, the nuances of being a big receiver, it's not as like cut and dry as like, oh, yeah, you run downfield, I chuck it, you win a jump ball. It's it's not that easy. And Perry at 6'5", you would think that that could be a thing. But he he really understands like how to stack a defensive back, how to get on top of them. And then if the ball is underthrown, he can slow up and then shield that defensive back from the ball. And he, he did that on uh, one of his longer receptions. But, yeah, Perry looked uh, really, really good in this game. He uh 6.76 yards per route run. Uh, mentioned it with Addison, who had 6.8. Uh, A.T. Perry right there with a super efficient receiving game. Uh, and he also had a 19 average depth of target. So he was getting open, getting open deep, and being – extremely efficient with the ball yeah and honestly like from what i've seen of perry when we talk about tillman versus perry as kind of the two you know two of the bigger x sort of receivers in the class i mean perry is not really a jump ball guy i no. mean he's he's really not until i mean tillman uh he can win down the field and even a guy like quentin johnston these guys win down the field but johnston and tillman they are guys that can go up and grab it and snatch it and and perry is he he wins in different ways which is really impressive for a guy his size yeah i almost want to see him 
do it more <laughs> I know. Uh, because so he's one of so my big. criticisms of him. Yeah, I, I want to see him, like, go dominate. Go, like, just run a couple fades to parry in a game and, you know, go see him make a DB look small. Yep, and that's, I mean, you see it once in a while. Christian Watson last year, same type of thing. He's 6'4", but he doesn't go up and get it. He doesn't make the DB pay uh, for being shorter than him. So, um, okay. but, yeah. Okay, I didn't, nope, sorry. Didn't mean to bring, <laughs> I didn't mean to bring it up. <laughs> separate conversations about NFL Christian Watson, but um, all right, give me your give me your first badge. Uh, my first badge is big things in small packages, hey. and that's going to be running back Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. Uh, small packages referring to Deuce Vaughn being five foot six, hundred seventy six pounds, uh, still heavier than Jordan Addison, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he had 24 rushes in this in this game 145 yards two touchdowns uh he was just super he's super twitchy super explosive really he's patient and then he just pops through the line he he gets skinny so you can't arm tackle him and at given that he's already super compact like the fact that he knows how to get skinny in a hole really causes issues and produces big play after big play for Deuce Vaughn. And he is uh, one of the, the highest graded running backs in like college football. He has been for the last couple of years. Uh, but in, in this game, he had four yard or four runs of 10 yards plus, and two of them went for over 15. Uh, he's Kansas state uses them all over the place. They'll put them in the slot and they'll, jet motion him they did that in this game he had a 11 yard run off of that uh but yeah he's a he's also just really physical for a little guy he finishes runs he kind of finishes through your chest most of the time as long as he can get a little bit of a head start so i i like him i'd like to see him using the pass game more but i mean if an nfl team got their hands on him i'm sure he would have to get involved in the pass game to be relevant yeah, I Deuce Vaughn. This is another guy where it's like we're week two here. We're bringing up new names, but this is a guy that you know is on the radar. He was a guy that we watched leading up to the running backs rankings. And and what's what isn't so impressive about him is what you said about he's so small. He's five six. He's one of these little you know little Darren Sproles esque builds of a player, but he's physical. I mean, he had 24 attempts in this game. <laughs> I mean, they're they're just feeding him the rock. He's yep. not a. This isn't a guy that you're swinging him out or you're getting him, you know, worked in. And he's uh, he's acting as if he's the workhorse there. And I mean, he's a huge part of their offense, so they kind of need him to be. But I mean, it, when you look at a guy this size, that's in uh, running back, especially you're thinking, you know, a bit of a criticism. You know, what can he have a legitimate role at the next level? But guy like deuce vaughn just has so much talent and skill that it's like it's one of the guys that you you want to bet on you know you want to say like i know this normally doesn't work out or it doesn't look this way but like i think this guy has uh the you know the talent necessary to maybe be an exception to the rule and so far this year that's what we're seeing 131 yards game one 145 this week He's picking up right where he left off. And you mentioned uh, the grades. I mean, he was the second 
highest graded rusher from from PFF in 2021 behind the one and only Damian Pierce. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the yeah, I mean, PFF grades, that's that's a whole nother story. But it again, it's it's contextualizing. We're not saying, oh, because he had the second highest grade last year means he's the second best running back. That's not at all what that means. It's just to say uh, when he was on the field, it was generally very positive. And then when you watch the tape, you're like, okay, he's got the tools, he's got the skills, the vision, etc. So, yeah, I, I really like Deuce Vaughn. And to contextualize further, he operated as the workhorse, like you said. It, it's not that he's like he's acting as a, as a workhorse. He is the workhorse for this Kansas mm-hmm. State offense. Last year, he had 234 carries and 1,400 yards on the ground, good for six yards per carry and 18 touchdowns. It, this is is a legitimate workhorse back. That no matter how small he is, he he's takes over the games he's in, and it's just super. He's just hard to tackle. It's like plain and simple. And he has one career fumble on almost 400 attempts. So it, it's like this. If you put Deuce Vaughn in like a five foot eleven foot like frame two oh five two twenty, like it could be a dominant running back. But instead he's five six one seventy six and oh he's dominant anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like one thing that the size doesn't help him with and one area of weakness on his tape is pass blocking. Yeah. Which is something that we, you know, I've brought this up with several running backs, including the one and only Bijan Robinsons. But, uh, you know, a guy when you're that size and you're already facing physical limitations, you know, in terms of an NFL profile, then that that does start to be more impactful than a guy like Bijan. But at the same time, like you said, he has overcompensated or overperformed, I guess about what you would say that he would be as a five, six running back. So, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that he's not a player that can have a role on an NFL team. Cause he can't pass block. I think he will have a role on an NFL team. So, uh, you know, what, what does it look like? I'm not sure, but I, I know that this guy's not, uh, not just a college superstar. Yeah, absolutely. He would be an incredible special teams player. That's for sure given how he just runs the ball. And, uh, I mean, there's definitely ways you can work in a guy like Deuce Vaughn in an offense where he'll be effective. Uh, I just want to – the quick aside on Kansas State's defense. uh, Played incredible in this game. They intercept four out of five straight passes in this game, uh, which set up Deuce Vaughn to be able to run the ball basically every play down the stretch to uh, get him to this number. So just wanted to give a quick shout-out to the – you know. The, the mean machine out back. Missouri, what are you doing? <laughs> Bring back Drew Locke. The good old days. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, my second badge is going. Tight ends are people too. We have the Got Hops badge for Dalton Kincaid. Because Kincaid, quiet in week one. I'm watching these tight ends, man, because I'm I like I, I like these names. Kincaid was obviously my uh, I kind of 
teased him as like an honorable mention. There wasn't really a lot of tape on him. Quiet in week one, but they have another really good tight end out there in Utah, Brant Keefe. Uh, and that was kind of his week last week against Florida. This time around against Southern Utah, uh, Kincaid, seven of seven for 107 and two touchdowns. And one of the, the highlight plays for Kincaid in this game was a spectacular hurdle. The big man got up on the sideline and it wasn't a cheap hurdle. You know, everybody's no, doing no. hurdles these days. It's like, you know, you see guys and they're like, oh, I'm going to jump. And then he get his leg gets snapped in half or whatever <laughs> happens. No, Kincaid timed it perfectly, teased them a little bit. And then the second he dropped his head, he soared over the top of him. So super athletic dude and big dude, athletic as hell. And he had some really, really nice plays in this game, including a, a nice touchdown on a, a route up the seam. And he kind of turned, he sensed the, the safety behind him and he turned the other way to score a really savvy play. And yeah, I, damn, these, these Utah tight ends, man, they're kind of crazy. Yeah. Savvy was a good way to describe them because he, he, it seemed like every every time he touched the ball, he was either finding a soft spot in the zone. He was just kind of making things work. And, yeah, there's like three kinds of hurdle in football. It's like you got the, the side hurdle where you just kind of like stiff arm the guy and, you know, get over him, kind of like a, a leapfrog kind of thing. There's the, the natural hurdle where you're like – Brandon Ayuk comes to mind where you just – go over the top of them, land on your other foot, still running. And then there's the, the cheap hurdle, like you said, where you just kind of jump to get a couple yards. And it's like, then you just get tackled, you get hit midair, you, you don't really do anything with it. This was a legit hurdle. This is a real hurdle. So Dalton Kincaid earns the, the God Hops badge. Uh, he was all over the field. He was used in line half the time. In the slot, basically the other half. Had a couple times out wide. Uh, he had a perfect passer rating when targeted. Perfect 158.3. So a quarterback's best friend. Uh, had something you didn't mention. He had a, a nice slot fade uh, that he caught mm. up on the sideline right oh, over. Oh, yeah. Nice contested yep. catch where he kind of bobbled it, hauled it in. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, the second touchdown, classic tight end stuff out of the in line where he just did the quick flat route. It, he's super versatile, as you would need out of a tight end. Uh, he showed it in this game in a multitude of ways. It, it was a really fun, really fun game for Kincaid. Um, he looked great doing it. I thought about cheating on this one a little bit because I initially tied together Benjamin Urosic and Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> and Urosic, week one... Kind of like Kincaid, slower week, a little disappointing. Week two, my man Urosic against Jordan Addison's Trojans. I mean, guy had a 51-yard run, (laughs) 51-yard rush as a tight end, and he's getting in on the passing game. Damn, dude. I love these these tight ends. Maybe not all of them. That might come up later. (laughs) Yeah, tight tight um, end is a fickle position. It's a tough one. Um, all right, give me your next badge. All right, I got the slot machine. This is uh, Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma, a guy that I mentioned on the wide receiver episode. He's my number five. 
Uh, he went off against Kent State. He had seven catches on eight targets for 163 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he basically was was winning deep over and over again in this game, uh, which is not something that is like common for these uh, slot receivers, especially for uh, Mims. But he he was just dominating. Uh, one one of his catches is kind of cheap because uh, he it was just a blown coverage. Uh, but you know you know, he's still got to catch the ball, run it in, score the touchdown. But uh, there the the thing that I picked out from this game was they were running a one minute drill, and Mims was lined up outside on the first play of the drive caught a comeback route and again this guy plays like 98 percent of his snaps in the slot uh but he had caught a comeback route went out of bounds they went no huddle and he went and just burnt a guy on a fly from the outside spot for a touchdown to get him to get him the score going into half and it was just like you know what this is what i want i want my slot receiver to not only be a slot receiver but generally wins out of the slot and show me that you can get on the outside and win with the big boys versatility man and that's i mean guy like i'm not here we go again i'm not <laughs> comparing marvin mims to justin jefferson oh but baby. <laughs> a guy like i'm like a guy like jefferson where you line him up in the slot and coming out of of school i mean i think we've even talked about this before like is can he be more than a slot player and then he shows it he can be and that in you know greatly increases what he can do uh even in a case like in on this weekend i mean he's lining up all over he's creating mismatches so when you have these sorts of players that can you know win out of the slot but can also you know move around a little bit and create those sort of headaches and mismatches and that's super super valuable and man the guy like mims i i'm still i'm still sleeping on this guy man you you had him in your top five uh, i gotta i gotta do a little bit more homework on mims i haven't That's, watched any sooners ball this this year so far they they got a, a fun running back too his name's escaping me but it's a it's an interesting team to watch he uh another guy that had a perfect pass already when being thrown to uh and yeah he was just he looked great and that's that's kind of what i wanted to see he had a uh, not a bad week one, but not a very uh, gaudy week one. He only had three catches for 81 yards. Uh, but, yeah, I was kind of waiting to see a big productive day out of Mims, and we, we got that this week with a performance against Kent State. Hell, yeah. Well, how about another wide receiver? I have the four-course meal badge for... UTSA's Zakari Franklin because Frank Harris and the Roadrunners love to feed this guy all game long. Man, we shouted him out after week one. Frank Harris taking Houston to the brink and even had a fun little game with Army this week, Andre Carter. Uh, but how about Zakari Franklin? Frank Harris's number one target his junior year. So last year, he's a senior 118 targets and 1,022 yards and 12 touchdowns. So where does he pick up this year? 
Frank Harris sort of vaulting himself and the Roadrunners onto the you know semi-national spotlight in week one. Well, Zachary Franklin had 15 targets in that game against the Cougars. And this week against Army, 12 more targets. He had 10 catches in each of the first two games of the season. And this week, 122 yards and two scores. That's a real quick way to get on my radar. When I see what you're doing as a junior and you're picking right back up as a as a senior, man, th- and and I, I tried to find a little bit of, of tape on him. Actually, I, I think the Houston game might already be on on YouTube and I did I did watch it through. He's got some he's got some nice skills, man. Like he's another one of these guys, senior, kind of like Rasheed Rice that just like has a knack for it looks very fluid comfortable out there find space good after the catch uh yeah i i this guy's he's on my like i i didn't know this name at all <laughs> i didn't i'd never heard this name until this week and now i'm like damn where's this guy yeah i i watched the uh the Houston game and i i didn't love what i saw because it seemed like he was I don't know. The hands were an issue against Houston. There was a few drops. He got a couple like raked away. And so it was a little, that was a little concerning, but it seemed like he was a lot more comfortable in, in the game against army. He, like you said, he had the two touchdown day. Uh, he had the, the one on the deep fly down the right side. He like, uh, uh at perry he kind of stacked up that db really nice he, he really can he has a good feel for the game very good football iq kind of guy where it's a, he's finding the right spots he's you know turning where he needs to with uh dbs and coverage which is something that you don't always see out of a guy and then that leads to the good run after catch that you were talking about so I saw a lot of good things. They'll throw him a screen out there every once in a while and just kind of let him pick it apart. And uh, he he had a, a really big play in overtime to set up their touchdown, ran that dig route, and then got hit right as he caught the ball, but carried that defender seven more yards to put them in prime field position to get the touchdown to win the game. So Zakari Franklin eating the four course meal number four for the roadrunners hell yeah and that's i mean we've been bringing up a few seniors here uh and that just gets me excited for the senior bowl because it's gonna be some really talented players there as there always seems to be now but guys like cedric tillman zakari franklin these are guys that you know maybe they're not first round second round even talents but some money to be made in the in the uh, early springtime there late winter so i'm excited to see how these guys develop you and me both how about give me your last badge for week two uh i got the woodworking badge because uh, this guy came out the woodwork <laughs> i uh <laughs> i was uh i was watching alabama texas Good game, wild game, a lot of flags, bad Ooh. refs. Uh, but obviously watching that Alabama offense, looking for the for the guys, had a little bit of you know financial investment on a few guys on the offense. Uh, and Jace McClellan, 
was really good last week, and he was good again this week. He he's a very they use him in bits. They don't give him a lot of touches. He basically comes in to spell Jameer Gibbs. But when he does, he just looks like the better runner out of the two. Gibbs, clearly the better receiver. Don't don't get me wrong. But Jace McClellan has some skill at the running back position. And he he's just super patient. He goes downhill, something that Gibbs has trouble doing. I, it, we'll, we'll give him time to adjust. It's only week two. But it, it just feels like this is a guy that you would want to go to in a short yardage situation to trust more than Gibbs in a handoff situation. And I don't want to turn this into a whole McClellan versus Gibbs thing. But McClellan looked great, and he had the 81-yard touchdown in this game where he, he kind of ran that inside zone, found the hole, and just shot out of a cannon, went 81 yards to the house. And that, that was the big run, but... He doesn't get a lot of touches, so it's hard to like properly evaluate him. But on the few that he does, he looks great. So McClellan is a third year. Yeah. I don't know what Alabama has. Like, is this a guy you think comes back? So that's or... probably. I, I was thinking about this where it was like, should I even throw him in here? Because I don't I don't know for sure. But he's been with Alabama for three years. And he could just be one of these like backup Alabama running backs that turns out to be good at football. Right. Like they always do. Like, yeah. oh wait, Brian Robinson, he's just the backup to the backup and then he's, you know, a great NFL prospect. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's crazy how they just keep churning guys out. And I mean, Gibbs is Probably he is definitely the more talented player, easily. But I just keep an eye on Jace McClellan because he is a a talented rusher. Uh, you don't see much of out of him through the air, obviously, because they bring Gibbs in for those situations. But uh, when when he comes in, he is very effective. Yeah, I mean, I, and honestly, you know, it's not a you know, like you said, it's not a you know one versus the other. But Gibbs is obviously a running back that we have firmly on our you know we got our sights set on this guy. He's one of our top rated running backs between the two of us. And you know, you look at a stat line from the the game with Texas where it's like nine carries for twenty two yards on the ground. I mean, he had nine nine catches, nine targets, seventy four yards. That's what he makes his money on. That's what yep. we talk about. That's why he has this sort of you know fantasy allure to him because um, he's so involved there. But like you said, maybe you know that some of the things that showed up last year on his Georgia Tech tape where. He wasn't the most refined runner. Maybe the Alabama, you know, maybe that's not a Midas touch. And then you see a guy like McClellan who, you know, on very limited touches makes kind of the most out of him in that game. So, yeah, it's just it's an interesting conversation that you can, you know, even bring out to, you know, examining what Gibbs has done through two weeks. But, yeah, man, these Alabama running backs are always players you gotta keep your eyes on because how many years in a row have they pumped out legitimate nfl talent at that position absolutely and uh, this could just be another one in the long line 
very well might be. I'm, I'm trying to think of the last time that they had a running back that wasn't a, a premier prospect. Who came before Derrick Henry? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, it's, like, it's Mark I feel Ingram's like it's in there. Long. I mean, geez. Okay. Uh, that's some homework for me, I guess. But um, all right. Well, that's that's badges, and we didn't have any repeats. So the, the bad scoreboard up on the on the cabin wall getting longer and longer. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be. It. We're gonna be just tacking on boards throughout <laughs> the year to throw more and more badges up there. All right. Well, how about we got? A, I guess we got a couple more because like I always forget. See, I'm doing it again. The IDPs, man. They, we, they're getting badges too here. They're people too. Uh, why don't you start us off? Give me your IDP spotlight. So I have the magnet badge. Uh, this is for Drew Sanders, who is a linebacker out of Arkansas. Uh, he's six foot five, two hundred thirty-two pounds. Uh, the magnet, just because wherever the ball is at the end of the play. Uh, number 42 is not very far away. It's, uh, he had eight solo tackles, three assists. He had two sacks and two forced fumbles in this game. Uh, he also had, a a breakup, a pass breakup on a third and five in the red zone that kind of shifted momentum. Uh, South Carolina was driving down. It was seven zero Arkansas and they were looking to tie up the game and Sanders broke up a little swing pass into the flat and said, yeah, we're having none of that. You guys are taking your three. And Arkansas honestly never looked back after that. It went to 14-3, to three, and I think he had a strip sack on the next drive, went to 21-3, and it just kind of got out of hand from there. So uh, he was all over the place. He mostly plays traditional Mike linebacker, but he got one of his strip sacks – on the edge he lined up on the the as the right end and kind of bent around their left tackle and caught rattler on the uh on on the wind up and strip sacked him there and it, the his other sack he was basically the qb spy and just chased down rattler on a rollout so he he did a little bit of everything and looked great man uh, i was looking at this guy's numbers while you're talking here and I was thinking to myself, oh, it's another edge guy. Yeah. T- he plays in the middle. He's got yeah. three sacks this year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I mean, the Razorbacks off to hell of a start this season. And, man, Drew Sanders, this is, a, this is another guy here that I, you know, a lot of these inside linebacker types really weren't on my radar heading into the season. You have a – guy with this much playmaking ability and a nose for the quarterback from the inside damn that's going to be a player on my on my watch list moving forward yeah and, and he's just, an alabama transfer he is yeah he, he was on alabama came over this is his first year with arkansas and they're using him everywhere uh you i i mentioned he mainly lines up as the mic but he lined up as a on the d-line 17 times last game Lined up another six this time. He he doesn't have a ton of pass rush moves, to be honest. But, I mean, as a blitzing linebacker, you don't really expect that. Yeah, man, if you got one or two, I mean, that's you're already adding quite a bit to your repertoire and your arsenal. But, wow, all right. Well, catch the Razorbacks because they are surging. 
and yep. you know Traylon Burks is gone, but now apparently they have a good team, KJ Jefferson and whatnot. Um, well, I have an edge player for my defensive badge this week, and it is the Mr. Fantastic badge. I, I think you may be able to guess where I'm going with this because <laughs> I have Jacoby Windman from Michigan State. Now, this is another transfer guy. He transfers in from UNLV. He was there for three years. So he's transferring in near the end of his collegiate career here with the Spartans. And in week one, he had four sacks. So if you're doing the, you know, checking the leaders on the board, like who's who's leading the league so far? Like, what do we got? You saw his name pop up after week one, and you're like, damn, man, have a week. Have a week, Jacoby. Well, how about following that up with another strong game? One and a half sacks. So he's up to five and a half on the season. And, and if we're using PFF, who must do their own stat keeping, he has seven sacks on the year. So they're giving him even more. And, man, I watched the... Uh, what was the the first game was western michigan that game is up right now if you want to go watch it because i was like who is this guy i mean what this is not a name there's a lot of edge guys this year and this is not a name that has come up at all so went to watch him man and he is just the prototypical bendy speed rusher man he his bend is phenomenal he was in embarrassing the left tackle for western michigan just dipping the speed dip combo the guy never had a chance he was so disruptive in that game i mean the four sacks honestly doesn't even do it justice because he influenced a couple more for his edge uh counterpart and i mean he's one of the one of the things here with him is power doesn't have it gets absolutely buried by guys if if he tries to use a power move but he has the speed and the bend where you're kind of like you know you might not be the top edge guy you might not even be in the top eight top ten but there is a situational role for you man at the next level because you got some speed and you got some bend and you got a lot of production so far through two games so I'm going to highlight Jacoby while he's running hot. I, I definitely get the Mr. Fantastic because that, <laughs> the bend is freaky. It's like it, there he has about three moves, which is, I mean, pretty solid. He has two good moves and one, okay. He, he has the, the bend, which is what yeah. the go-to. And then he has the counter to the bend, which is a nice spin move, and he got a sack in this game off the spin. And then he kind of has that push-pull where you get those arms extended, and then you rip the tackle to your side and get in. He had one where he forced the quarterback into a sack with that move. So it there there was a couple times in this game where I there was a third and 12, and Windman just got like – he was like – a yard off of the turf the way he just kind of sunk and bent around left tackle never got a hand on him and this doesn't go for a sack but he makes the the quarterback step up and make a bad throw 
and it was an incompletion. And it, he just looked so, so good. And I, I know – and then you bring up, you know, Western Michigan and Akron. But, gosh, this guy, he, he's a freak. I mean, I'm that's what I'm excited for here. I want to bring his name up because as we get into the Big Ten schedule here, like, I want to see what this guy has. Because, like, right now it's like, yeah, you're you're showing out the first two games here. You're coming in, new situation. And you're showing that you have some serious talent and some tools at your disposal. I, I want to see if he can carry this through, through, you know, facing off with some real, you know, left tackles and, and guys that, you know, maybe even have some NFL uh, snaps in their future. But man, I like, like you said, I mean, the bend when, when a guy can bend at full speed and, and stay balanced, I mean, that is a serious, serious uh, tool to have. And he has it, like I said, there was a few, and I know you know this is uh ba- this is based off of his Akron film, but it's also based off the first two weeks, just because he's got you know five or whatever sack five and a half sacks. Uh, Western Michigan though, the right tackle, I don't know if this guy's like a, a prospect or something, but he was burying Winman. <laughs> so don't come, you know, don't try the power move too often, Jacoby, because yeah, he was on his butt way too much, but. Speed rusher, all systems go. Um. All right. Well, that's the fun part, right? Yeah. All these guys, we're having a lot of fun here. But two guys, they're not going to be having so much fun because it is time for the call home. And I'll start because I was going <laughs> to – hey, man. I was going to make another call to the Johnston family. <laughs> I subbed I subbed that out at the last minute. I thought, you know what, Quentin, I'm going to give you another week, but it wasn't good. Take a look at what happened with TCU. Wasn't good for Mr. Johnston. But I am calling home this week about one of my top prospects in the entire class in the preseason that is tight end Eric Gilbert. Because I really talked this guy up, man. I really talked this guy up. Supreme athlete. Really, really strong tape from the one year that we got of him. And I documented all the, you know, off the field struggles and the road to get back to the field this year with the Bulldogs. The number one ranked. We made it. Number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Um, but Eric Gilbert has not factored in for, you know, the success that they've had through two games so far. He has one target, no catches, and he has only played 13 snaps. Now I'm not saying that, you know, I'm immediately going to sit here and be like, well, you know, it's over, you know, it's, it's fun while it lasted. Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, we're here now. But what I am saying is that, you know, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of athleticism to sit here and drool over. But at the end of the day, man, we got to see something. We got to see this guy get on the field and show what he can do. And there's a quote this week from, you know, coming out of this game with Samford quote from Kirby Smart that says, we just need to see more consistency out of this guy. I mean, in practice, 
on the field. He's just got to be more consistent so that we can rely on him to be this the, the, the player that we know he is and what he can be. And that's what we're looking for here, Eric. We just need get get yourself on the field, man. Make yourself some money because you got the you got the tools, you got everything we want. Now let's see it on the field. Man, you just gotta get snaps because the talent is there. There, there's something going on where he's not doing it in practice the off-field stuff. I mean, we again, you reiterated it. That we've talked about it before. It, it's it's there but the off field is a concern and so hopefully we can see this guy get on the field but yeah two two weeks with one target no catches and basically nothing to show for the the georgia tenure so far uh for the supremely talented gilbert uh but i mean if you if you can't get on the field it doesn't matter man i just I didn't want to do this because the guy was away from football for an entire year. There has to be an acclimation period, but at the same time, like get on the field, 13 snaps. He was targeted once against Oregon and wasn't targeted at all last this week against Samford. So, I mean, let's, I, I, I'm, I'm begging you, man. I, I love, I love you, Eric. If you, if you can please work with me here, get yourself on the field, become a top 10 pick in the draft because you can do it, man. Let's see it. All right. Now that I'm pouring my, all the emotion I have in my heart out for Mr. Gilbert, Colin, why don't you make a call home? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Uh, last week, my camper of the week was Anthony Richardson. Uh, this week I'm calling home. We, we had something special, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) No, he had a great game last week, both through the air and on the ground. He, he looked like the NFL prospect that we wanted him to be. And that was against Utah, who's a solid team. Now we're playing Kentucky, and he goes 14 for 35 for 143 yards through the air. Uh, two interceptions, two bad interceptions, too. And one carry for five yards and a fumble. This, this was a, a very bad game from a dynamic quarterback that looked incredible last week, and I was ready to to crown him had he played well in this game, going head-to-head with another top-five quarterback in this class in Will Levis. Uh, But unfortunately, he laid a stinker, and uh, yeah, we're we're making the call home one week after being the highest of highs with Anthony, Camper of the Week. We're at the the lowest of the lows. We're, We're in the basement making the call home. That is a tough look, man. The the first repeat, the first repeat in the first two weeks here is a camper of the week to a call home. That is a tough one, but man, we we brought this game up, Kentucky and Florida, 
I mean, it was, and 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 it was billed that way. I mean, there were there were a ton of NFL scouts at this game. I mean, all eyes were on these quarterbacks, and that is a very tough situation to have a game this poorly. I mean, it's it's a showcase game. That's what it is, and Anthony Richardson just didn't show up for it. I mean, it's it's that's it's tough. You know, again. It's week two, not saying that, you know, oh, he's out of my rankings and it's over and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, it's a short season. It comes quicker. All of a sudden it's draft season, man, and we got we to gotta pile up some strong tape here for, for Richardson. We mentioned, you know, raw, a raw player, and we got we to gotta get some tape out there. So, And then a guy like, I mean, on the other side, Levis, didn't play exceptionally well, but played well. And, yeah, you know, it's a – that's where we're going to go from here is, I mean, Levis is looking, looking fine. And Richardson takes a step back. Yeah. And there's people that have been hyping Anthony Richardson up to like a high, high level. And I, I don't know if it's appropriate yet to be talking about Richardson as like a top NFL pick because he just hasn't shown the, the arm talent in general, the ball placement, I should say. Uh, and I, the, so it, it's, it's, we're not to the point where you can sit confidently say Anthony Richardson is a top quarterback in this class. And this game kind of shows that, uh, but hopefully it just bounces back and has a great rest of the season. This is just kind of a black mark on that resume. Absolutely. Uh, all right. That's week two. Damn. That's week two. Wow. All right. Um, fun. Another fun week. And man, it's just I, I'm I'm so excited by the fact that we're just we have all these new names now. Like I'm, you know, we're going into week three with this renewed sense of like, oh, what you know, what's Tennessee up to? What's uh, you know, what's Kansas State doing this week? Things like that. So, um, how about we take a look at some week three games? Uh, first off. Number one, you called it. You called it, man. <laughs> and they I just, took them I just weeks, think it's but... fair, man. It's <laughs> come on. We we have the defending champ in the building. Start him out at number one. I'm not saying that they have to be the best team in the league, but let them prove that they're not. And obviously, they haven't proven that they're not the best team in the league. And so they gave him the number one spot, rightfully so. Months. Well, I mean, we're beefing up Bama here and you know, the Longhorns down Quinn Ewers, take them to the brink. So yeah, it's the Bulldogs. It's the Bulldogs number one spot now, and they are playing South Carolina this weekend, uh, 11 a.m. Central time on ESPN. So this is, you know, maybe, maybe it's not Eric Gilbert, but it's, it's a litany of other uh, prospects, offense and defense against the South Carolina team that, you know, <laughs> Spencer Rattler and Jaheim Bell, still two guys to, to watch here. And so that should be a fun morning one. I mean, that's our, that's our morning pick. So when you waking up game day ends and we get into this game, uh, talk about adjusting rankings. Uh, I, I was hopeful. I, I was, you know, optimistic. You could say, about Spencer Rattler getting his stuff together on this South Carolina <laughs> oh, team. Oh, here we go. 
Holy Christ, was I wrong about that. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, after watching the, the game against Arkansas, it became clear he all got it. Uh, and we're going to, I'm excited to see this Georgia game again, or this Georgia team go against him because I'm sure the defense is going to break his brain and there might be 15 sacks in this game because, uh, Rattler loves to run around when he doesn't get his first couple first read and then, uh, going to be eating them alive back there. So, uh, talking about adjusting rankings on the fly, uh, yeah, one of the, one guy's not in my top five anymore. Confidently. <laughs> oh man, Rattler! I it. I mean, I watched a little bit of South Carolina. I think it was last week, and it was the perfect like example of. I mean, why you had him in the top five, and then why he's now out? Because like he, there was one throw that I watched him make that I was like, "Are you?" kidding me with that throw like that was insane and then he's just garbage outside of that so yeah you want to know what what makes me more mad is jaheem bell has four catches for 18 yards i'm gonna blame rattler for that he didn't have a target this week he did not have a target this week he had i think five carries (laughs) man anyway all right well redemption 11 a.m on espn for the gamecocks jaheem bell uh 2.30 on CBS, Uh, team we haven't talked about at all, 22, Penn State. They have a wide receiver, slot guy, Parker Washington. Have not mentioned him. Wasn't one of my favorite wide receivers in the class, but definitely a name to know going up against Auburn and Tank Bigsby. So fun little matchup there. Uh, Big Ten versus SEC. Always fun. Uh, I'm excited to check out Tank. You know, he uh, didn't have as good of a game last week. Yeah. But, I mean, only 13 attempts. Uh, and they were playing San Jose State. So, I, I mean, you don't really need to pound the, the rock with <laughs> in hey, a game like watch that. Off. I mean, watch they over that team. Not like they won big. <laughs> they only won by <laughs> eight points, but. Uh, not a ton of usage out of tank. They're not putting the gas pedal on hard enough against the uh, what is that Mountain West or, well, I don't know what is San, what San Jose conf- State. I don't know. Yeah, what is that? I don't. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, sorry to those guys. But how about this one? Kind of a random one, but a fun one. Six thirty. An FS1 making an appearance here. SMU. And Maryland. So this is our guy, Rasheed Rice, going up going up against the star-studded Terrapins offense that we've talked about a few times. Yeah, this uh, Rakeem Jarrett's on this team. You got uh, Tua's younger brother. I can't think of his uh, – Talia Tungavailoa. Sorry, I couldn't remember his name. Uh, and Rasheed Rice, this is going to be a interesting game where we could have a couple NFL prospects. Hey, Rasheed Rice also, just to shout him out, had another really strong week this week. So keep your eyes on that man. Had nine catches for 132 yards and two touchdowns. Yep, yep. 
Um, all right. Well, our apparently this is our favorite team on Camp Dynasty. How about the Roadrunners? Once <laughs> again, UTSA, Frank Harris, Sakari Franklin going up against number 21. It's Bijan's Longhorns, and it's on the Longhorn Network at 7 p.m., so screw them, but just shouting it out anyway because it's it, happening. You can find a way to watch it if you try hard enough. I, uh, there's, there's, <laughs> when there's a will, there's a way. Uh, Bijan looked great again last week. It was his least, uh, I guess, productive game. It was, I guess, out of two games, so it's not really saying much. But it, it was not a very productive game. It was not a very, uh, whatever the word I'm looking for is, uh, game where you're good in small sample sizes. You know, synonyms. Inconsistent. Uh, something like that, whatever. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Texas, uh, hopefully Bijan will run all over him. He did sustain a, a shoulder injury in the Alabama game, but he was playing through it. And he actually had a really nice catch and a couple of runs afterward that looked good. So it doesn't seem to be limiting him too much. So uh, hopefully Texas will run all over him because they are lacking Quinn Ewers and their backup quarterback had a, a leg injury that he played through as well. So, yeah, Texas. Maybe maybe upset alert for the Roadrunners. It could be. I, I mean, catching, catching Texas at a bad time. All right, well – you made a comment about this one of the teams in our next game, and I'd like to get more thoughts on that here. Uh, 13 ranked Miami going up against a team coming off of a loss this week. The number 24 ranked Texas A&M Aggies. That is 8 p.m. on ESPN. Yeah, I just I just don't really like watching the Aggies. To be honest, <laughs> I, that that's about it. I you mentioned it, and I was like, God, I don't want to watch this game. It's just not a fun <laughs> team to watch, honestly. So uh, you're a chain is what you're yeah, saying here. We're not we're I, not enjoying a chain so far. So a chain had a okay game last game, and the the previous game before that didn't look great. Uh. So, I, I don't know. He's averaging 3.9 yards per carry as the workhorse. Just hasn't been that impressive. Uh, Texas A&M, they lost to Appalachian State. It's just – it's been an ugly brand of football so far, and I, I can't be that excited to watch this game. Yeah, I mean – I I don't know what to tell, I don't know what to do about a chain. He's at risk of making we're making a phone call here one of these weeks because he's not living up to it. While some of these other running backs have sort of started really really strong to this season, but on the other side of things, the Hurricanes, Tyler Van Dyke, you know, quarterbacks here. We got some movement potentially in each of our quarterback rankings, so. Excited to watch uh, Van Dyke on the other side of things. But how about this one? Late night, Saturday, 9.30 on Fox. It is the Fresno State Bulldogs featuring Jake Hayner up against the must-see seventh-ranked USC Trojans. I'm calling a must see. <laughs> this this team's fun. Oh man, it's I hate West Coast games <laughs> in general. Like 
I'm I'm winding down at nine o'clock. I'm asleep by like nine thirty ten. I got to get up at six in the morning for work. So this nine thirty game. Luckily, it's on a Saturday. But you know, the sleep schedule is still there. You know, the the, the rhythms of life happen. Uh, so nine thirty start time is not great for my sleep schedule. But I'm gonna be staying up to watch my guy Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams is so electric. Mario Williams. Number four, also really talented. Uh, yeah, they they should walk all over Fresno State, I would imagine. So, Mario Williams, man, like I was watching that Addison film, and all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, who's this guy? Who's yeah, number say, four? I also was thinking that. This guy is crazy. I, yeah, he's a four-star. Mario Williams, he's really good. Uh, Jordan Addison, they got talent all over the place. Damn. Okay. Well, I I'll be there on nine thirty. Be there. Be square. I'm I may have some liquid encouragement and just <laughs> really lock in for that one because I haven't locked in on a USC game yet. And I'm gonna do that this weekend. But that is week three. So I'm I'm not gonna say it's the best slate. I mean we've been a little spoiled. I would say. Yeah, to, to kickstart, but this this tends to happen as you get into the schedule a little bit here. But there's still some some fun ones to watch, and obviously there's players all across the game. I'm going to be watching Tennessee. I'll tell you that Cedric <laughs> Tillman. Whew. He's good. Yeah, he's, he's fun he, to watch. He's he's when you're you know you're on the uh, you're in the dating scene. And you're like sitting on a dating app, and you're like, "That's my type. Swipe right." That's what I did for Cedric Tillman. I was like, "You're, you're my guy, man. I'll follow you into the darkness if you're, if you're gonna be Josh Palmer, or if you're gonna be something better than that. I'll, I'll go wherever you go, Cedric. Let me tell you that. Uh, hopefully, we get to see a healthy dose of Josh Palmer next week. Uh, you know, we got Thursday night football. A quick turnaround for Keenan Allen's hamstring, Ooh. so uh, Ooh. might might see uh, wide receiver two Josh Palmer in this game. All right, that leaves one last order of business. It is campfire stories. I, I just love the, the strum of the guitars. <laughs> it's uh. so ten. It's just so tender and warm. Mm. Uh. And then the the crackle of the fire. Ooh. Oh, the fire's a little warm tonight. Whoa! Little, hey, yeah, over over did it a little bit. All right. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about Kayshawn. Oof. Let's talk about this pronunciation problem. Oh God. <laughs> the, this is not the campfire story, but. Kayshawn, so I we were saying Kayshawn Boutte, and you're telling me I'm wrong. That is what I'm telling you. Who's, it was confirmed after we made a whole scene about it last last episode. So the correct pronunciation, you're going to tell me, is Booty. It is 100% Kayshawn Booty. Right, okay. So I want to apologize on the record for getting Kayshawn's name wrong. I, I really try hard to uh, get everybody's name right because that that's you know it's gives you a little bit of a 
a gravitas when you pronounce people's names right. You know, it, it lets people trust you as a, a, you know, if you're sitting here and you're mispronouncing people's names. Uh, and then DeMarvion, Overshawn, I was saying. Also, we're mispronouncing that one. Overshown. Oh, my God. So, I am uh, 0 for 2 last week on the tough last names, apparently. But, our story is Keishan Booty has been struggling to start this year. And this has led to a lot of discourse around the, the top end of the wide receiver class. Obviously, JSN we haven't seen much of due to injury. But Booty, we've seen two games, and he's not lived up to expectations in either of them. And this has led to a lot of people questioning the choice of him staying with LSU. Uh, there's been a lot of people saying that he should have transferred to Alabama given the chance, and he would be the wide receiver one there. We've seen that wide receiver room operate for a few weeks now. And uh, as you told me earlier... He wiped his social media. He wiped. Uh, well, so so give me the give me the rundown on that. I, I want to hear a little more about that. So, from what I understand, after the first game, and this was like this must have been right after we recorded last week because it wasn't very long after that that suddenly it became known that he had removed LSU things from social media, which has now become this entire genre of athlete drama where it's yes, like, yeah. oh, all the stuff's gone. And then I, 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 I don't – I think it was Booty that the then the report came out that, oh, he's just taking time away from – social media to focus on football because he wasn't happy with his performance last week. But, you know, is that the real answer or is that the, you know, we don't want to create a situation here answer. So definitely some trouble in paradise with the, in the Brian Kelly era of LSU so far. Yeah. I've been, been seeing a lot of uh, boards out there saying Brian Kelly might, might not have been the answer. Uh, and it's looking like that so far. But, yeah, a little bit of a concerning start for uh, the Keishan Booty at the beginning of this season. But uh, we'll see. He was better this week than he was in week one, and hopefully he continues on that trend and becomes that top three wide receiver in this class that, that we would want him to be. Man, I hope so, but... It's, you know, like you said, it's another week. It's two weeks now of Kayshawn Booty, and we're, we're sitting here waiting. And, like, I mean, we haven't seen Jackson yet. He hasn't been able to fully, you know, pull away if that's a thing that you can do in September. But, um, yeah, just very, very interesting. And, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole character conversations because that's not fair because we have no idea – who these players are, what's happening behind the scenes and things like that. But when you see situations like this, it brings up at least the, you know, an unconscious, perhaps, opinion of, you know, Keishan Booty and is he a team player and, you know, whatever, whatever. So there's already that weird undertone to his season, which isn't ideal, but still rooting for him. I, I just I hate how LSU is using them 
so far. It, they're just not being creative enough if he's struggling. They, they're they lining him up outside all the time. And we talked about it on our wide receivers episode that he excels in the slot. He's only got two slot snaps last game, which was less than week one. He, he got four. And so... I don't know if it's a game plan problem. I don't know if it's an offensive coordinator problem. I don't know if it's a booty problem, but it's not looking great so far. And uh, I mean, again, we're looking forward to improvement, and I, I want him to get better because he has the talent to be uh, a premier athlete. And in the social media area, era, if if you're struggling, I mean, you wipe from to wipe stuff from social media. Oh well. It is what it is. I mean, it's it's a player empowerment era. It is. It certainly is. So, all right. Well, how about this one? So, a little bit of a college football story this week because we had, we already referenced one of them, but we had three major upsets this weekend in college football. We saw the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame who were, you know, handled by Ohio State in that premier week one game. Well, they come off of that and they lost to Marshall. Then we also had the App State win over Texas A&M, which we just sort of briefly mentioned. But then we also had Georgia Southern beating Nebraska. What do what do all these teams have in common, Colin? I'm asking you that. Do you know? What do all of the teams that lost have in common, or the teams that won? No, have the in teams common? that won. Oh, I have no idea. What do all the teams have in common? They are all in the Sun Belt Conference, aka the Fun Belt. Of course. Obviously. And they all got paid to play the teams that they beat this weekend. Oh, my goodness. That's got to be embarrassing. So, I mean, we got, you know, Michael Mayer and the Fighting Irish. We got Devin A-Chain and the Aggies. And we're watching all these games, man. And if you were watching them, you saw these upsets unfolding and wow i mean in this in this age of you know discussions about the the foot the college football playoff and all of these things then we see the sun belt take over the ncaa in week two beat all these programs and make a collective like four and a half million to do it so uh yeah just a reminder for all future weeks of college football when you're watching these big programs and the prospects we're laying out every week that you know, it's, it's not always going to go so well in the win column. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a science. I can tell you that. It's a, not something that's predictable by any means. And uh, I, I love seeing the the parody. I love seeing the the upsets. It's, it's always a lot of fun. I just need to see you take a dive in the rankings if you lose a game like this. Because it, uh, the rankings are so fickle anyway. It, they're... You know, so decided by you know hooded people in a room in a dark room. <laughs> right. You know, I, so if if you're gonna lose to unranked Sun Belt team that you paid to come play you, 
you better be punished for it if you're gonna be and like Notre Dame you're talking about it's like yeah no they uh they played Ohio State they were close it's like oh yeah but for a half and then they weren't <laughs> and then they lost to Marshall so get them out of my. And they top. lost their quarterback for the season. So Michael Mayer is catching passes from God knows who. So get get those guys out of my AP top twenty five if they can't beat a Sun Belt team that they're paying to come play them. All right, let them earn their way back onto the list. I'm all about let's let's earn your rank. Let's not bullshit around playing out of conference teams that you think you're gonna stomp, and then they come in and beat you and then you're like oh well they're gonna drop two spots and like, no get them the f- out of here <laughs> i saw somebody was like stop scheduling app state in your in your <laughs> non-conference early window like have we not learned this by now but also i just wanted to point out that nebraska really could have used that 1.4 mil that they paid southern georgia southern <laughs> to hire their next head coach yeah urban meyer is gonna later. be expensive <laughs> Oh, please, God. Oh, no, please. No more Urban Meyer ever on my TV. Well, um, I don't. I definitely don't want him in the pregame. I can tell you that. I, I'd rather have him point. coaching Nebraska than giving me breakdowns about Lions-Eagles. That's a great point. Um, well, that's – there we go. My marshmallows have toasted successfully, and I'm – enjoying my s'mores as we speak so i burnt mine put it in the fire i was getting impatient started getting mad about (laughs) ap rankings and forgot about the marshmallow (laughs) oh man all right well week three on the horizon also nfl football is back it is officially football season saturdays and sundays and mondays and thursdays and everything else will be consumed by football for many many months so this is what about friday night lights come on and hey don't forget don't forget the kids no hey no i all respect friday night lights as well and you know what the 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 campers that we're going to be talking about in three years are playing on Fridays right now. So absolutely there it is, but all right. Well, uh, thanks for stopping by camp dynasty this week. 